Coming to you from a socially distant studio just outside the southern part of heaven, I'm Grant Halverson, and this is Hark the Sounds. In a life defined by her love of books, The Night Before Christmas holds a special meaning for Eleanor Hawkins, one that extends well beyond the holiday season. Our Christmas was so exciting because Mother made it exciting about reading The Night Before Christmas after we had dinner. We always went to bed early, afraid that he might come before we could get in bed. She always had a story hour at night anyway. And so she started then reading us the night before Christmas when we were very young. And she continued that until she had a stroke when she was 94. Every night, that was part of the ritual tradition of our family that mother read the night before Christmas after our candlelight Christmas dinner. And so then I've picked it up for the family now. And so I do it every year before we go to midnight mass. Those nightly story hours instilled a love of reading in the young girl. Years of volunteering in her school library eventually led Eleanor to the library science program at Carolina. When I got to Carolina, I loved it so. I was so afraid I'd build it up so much because it was the best library school in the world at that time. Well, so you, you went to Carolina to library school. Yes. And that is when your love of books yes. and your love of library science met your love of Twas the Night Before Christmas. So tell me how that all kind of came together. Okay. Miss um, uh, Kelling uh, gave us an assignment one day and she said, you all are going to be librarians for the rest of your life. And I think you should choose a title that you're going to collect the rest of your life and write a paper on it. Well, I kept going through all the books I really liked, but the one I liked the best was The Night Before Christmas. And so I wrote my paper on that. And immediately when it was all over, I went down to the intimate bookshop and um, I bought my first night before Christmas. That was a lucky day for us. So you started out with one copy of the night before Christmas. Yes. And how many do you have now? I have over a thousand. And you're gonna pass some of this fortune on. You're gonna take your collection and at some point it's going to- It's going to, to Carolina. And Carolina already has uh, uh, back in the 60s, a man lost his, a librarian in Atlanta, lost his son in an automobile accident. And he decided to give all of his night before Christmas collection to the rare book room in Chapel Hill. And so when I found that out, I'm adding my collection there and they know it. So it'll be the biggest collection then, with, including my thousand. Eleanor didn't just find a lifelong career at Carolina. She found a lifelong partner as well. But I have to tell you, what, I, what happened to me at Carolina was the best thing in my life. I met my husband, Carol Hawkins. He was from Cove City, and I was from Morgantown, West Virginia. And so um, we were married for 68 years, and he just died last November. So this is a hard year for me. I lost my sister in September. And so I'm not being sad, but I'm being thankful that the good Lord's let me keep my mind. 
and Karen was able to keep his mind, and we celebrated our uh, 68th wedding anniversary, and then we celebrated our birthdays. He was a week older. I always held it over and told him he was responsible. And I told him about our wedding day. I said, you're in charge because I don't want that responsibility. Carol and Eleanor would travel across North Carolina together, searching for more books to add to her collection. As he said, we went to every old bookstore in the state. And sometimes we would even go to uh, places like uh, Goodwill or those places. Tell me about the visit to the Grove Park. Oh, I'll have to tell you about that. My husband would always plan to play golf when I went to uh, a library meeting and we were having a library uh, director's meeting at the Grove Park Inn. The Grove Park Inn is a beautiful hotel in Asheville. It also has a beautiful golf course. And so there was an old bookshop. Uh, it was called The Bookshop. I can't think of her first name right now, but Miss Brown was the owner and her sister. I went in and I said, I've come in to look at your children's books. And she says, my dear, we don't have children's books. And I said, well, I'm here for two hours because at least two hours, my husband's brought me off to play golf. And so I'll just look at your North Carolina collection. So she went back to her office in the back, which was in a corner. And there was a gate that says, beware of the dog. And so I stayed away from that. And I actually helped some people find some North Carolina books because I, I, I was there. After a while, when everybody had gone, she came over to me and she said, you know, I'm going to take you back by my office, but don't be afraid of the dog since I'm with you. And she said, I have some boxes back there that I might want to go through and see if you want to see any of them because I have some children's books back there. So she took me back and she sat down on another box of books and she started opening these boxes. Well, most of them were Mother Goose. And so then she got to the bottom box and she came out with this very worn cloth book. So she sat there and very slowly read it to me. And she said, since you're so dedicated and so interested in this and you're going to give it to the university, she said, I'm going to sell it to you. But she said, this is the one I grew up with. Book hunting became a family affair when Eleanor sent her son John off to Carolina. John uh, was a freshman. And um, I, kn I knew uh, William Powell and Virginia because they had been to library school several years later than I, and uh, we had met at a symposium at the Crime Palace, so we became friends. William Powell was a librarian, a UNC professor, and a historian. His prolific writings included definitive histories of both the state and University of North Carolina. Virginia was his research assistant. They had let us know that there was going to be an auction of the night before Christmas by Rackham and that I, I should really be interested. So we, Carol called John and said, there's going to be a night before Christmas auction at a book sale 
and I want you to go. And John says, well, how will I know how to, much to pay? And he, and so John, Carol said, well, just buy, just keep bidding. And John says, I've never been to an auction. He says, well, just keep bidding. Your mother needs that book. I was a freshman at Carolina at the time. We'll let Eleanor's son, John, pick up the story here. And uh, he called me. He said, there's going to be a rare book auction, and there's going to be a first edition night before Christmas there that he was certain uh, Mom would love to have to add to her collection. It was, it was a very old edition of, published in the 1800s. And so I need a little bit more information uh, than that. Well, how do you do all of this? And he said, well, you just go and you ask them when you get in how you bid on the book. And I said, well, how much do you want me to pay for it? He said, whatever it takes. And I said, well, give me a top number. And so he did. And it was not, you know, I didn't have any idea what it would sell for. And it went, what I understand, fairly reasonable anyway. It's interesting when I walked in, I looked and there were all these old people in there. And I walked in, a college freshman, I was 18 years old, and uh, and watched as they went through book after book, and I just watched. And all of a sudden, the night before Christmas book came up. And so I watched for a few minutes, a couple of folks bid, and then I, I raised my card, and I bid. And uh, some other guy bid, and it, of course, one person dropped out pretty quickly, and then he and I bid. And I guess he figured I wasn't going to stop, so he, he fell out too, and I, I got the book. It was the first auction I'd ever uh, participated in, but I knew how an auction works. I just knew I had a top number, and I was going to bid until I got there. Do you remember what the number was? I think it was like 75 or $80, uh, which was uh, uh, a lot more money back then than it is now, and a lot to pay for a, a book. For, for it. But uh, we were pretty, pretty excited to get it. I found it, got the book. Came back, dad was happy, and mom was even happier. And so anyway, I did get that book, and it was in a, uh, a box. I mean, it's a very collectible. Hawkins' collection of The Night Before Christmas includes copies of the book in dozens of languages. She also has editions in Braille and from diverse cultural traditions. One of the most unique came from her sister, Liz. My sister and, and R.D. gave me, she was a man of, uh, a minute tourist. She had a company in California that makes leather books that are small, and that book's about as big as my thumbnail, and it has every word in it and it's bound in leather. So that's one of my real gems. In a normal year, Eleanor would be reading her favorite book at events all over her community. I read at the Coast City Library after the Christmas parade every year. And Santa Claus comes, and we sit together, and he talks to the children, and then we have a quiet time for the night before Christmas. And I've done that for years and years. With pandemic concerns, that's not possible this year. So I asked her if she would read for us instead. "'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. 
When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering I should appear but a miniature sleigh and a tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now, Dasher, now, Dancer, now, Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop the coursers they flew, with a sleigh full of toys and Saint, and Saint Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as snow. He had a broad face and a round little belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know that I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. So many things have changed for Eleanor Hawkins this year, but she'll still gather with her family on Christmas Eve, following the traditions and reading the familiar story. Uh, we still have, uh, well, this is the first year without Carol, but I'm sure that we'll continue tradition. We always have a candlelight dinner. My father started that at my, at my home because he said by the time we sat down to dinner on Christmas Day, all the kids were coming in and everything was disrupted. 
So he started the candlelight dinner on Christmas Eve. And so we continued that when we were married. And so this year, I think we'll still have that and have an empty chair and be glad of all the memories we have. You, you, can't, you can't stop tradition, but you can be sad and, uh, and remember all the good things, all the good memories. And that's what I'm going to try to do. I'd like to offer a sincere thank you for listening during these strange and unsettled times. Wherever you are, however you celebrate, may you enjoy peace and happiness. I'll see you in the new year.